KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. So Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee for president, has selected California Senator Kamala Harris to be his running mate. So what does Harris bring to the table for the ticket? What does her selection do to the presidential race? We take a deep dive on this as we talk with Dr. John Kennedy. He is a professor in the Department of Political Science at Westchester University. Interesting discussion, important discussion. Check it out. So the presumptive Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, selects Senator Kamala Harris from California to be his running mate. Kind of seemed like this was the most likely pick uh, since Biden won the nomination. It seemed to make a lot of sense. Uh, What are your thoughts on it? And do you agree with that, that this was the the likely outcome? I do. I, 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 you know, I think the conventional wisdom all along had been, as you mentioned, since Joe Biden had seized the nomination that um, Harris was perhaps the most likely choice. You know, she satisfied a lot of uh, items that Biden was interested in. I would certainly thought, you know, maybe it was Harris against the field, but uh, I think it would have been really surprising had he selected someone else, if not even quite a little shocking. What are the biggest positives she will bring to the Democratic ticket? Well, obviously, she has a few positives. Obviously, she has a strong track record. Joe Biden had mentioned he wanted to pick a woman. There was also a lot of pressure for him to pick a woman of color. You know, I think she's she has demonstrated her prowess as far as debating is concerned. She also, as an interrogator during some of the uh, high-profile nominations and congressional committee hearings, passed as a prosecutor also, I think, is maybe not for, for everyone in the Democratic Party, but I think that certainly for the overall electorate is a positive as well. I think in the, in the, it's been less than 24 hours since she was selected. I think you can see that the Republicans and the Trump campaign is having a difficult time trying to, trying to pin her down as, uh, on something. You know, on one hand, uh, some are saying that she's so progressive and too liberal and she's another, you know, AOC and such. And then on the other hand, they're saying that she, she's been unsympathetic in the criminal justice system as a prosecutor, let's say. And so I, I think she I think, you know, they've had a d- difficult time trying to put a narrative on Biden, and certainly compared to some of the other candidates they've had, uh, and certainly compared to Hillary Clinton in, in 16. And I think Harris also provides a, a tough target for them. Given the age of Joe Biden, was his decision on his running mate a little more important than maybe in, in other cases? I think so. Joe Biden has mentioned that he he's unsure whether he would seek a second term. That's kind of a unique situation. And it's certainly whoever the nominee was going to be was certainly going to have, provided they're successful in, in November, the Democratic nominee is going to have uh, be in a strong position to be the nominee of, for president in 2024. So that's a little unusual. Uh, usually vice presidents, if they are in line, you know, they're, they're looking eight years down the line. And, and I think, that, you know, going back to your initial question, uh, Matt, I, I think that's another positive as far as her, her, her age. I think in the mid-50s, I think, is kind of a sweet spot. I think uh, some of the, you know, Elizabeth Warren, I think age was kind of a distract, detraction. Uh, having two candidates who are sort of, you know, a, a little older. 
So I think the, the age and experience was also a strong factor there. This is historic. The first woman of color on a major party ticket. Just kind of talk about the historical significance of this. Not, not only the first uh, person of color as far as African-American background, but also as uh, Indian-American. You know, it's been a tumultuous year. And um, I think that aspect does breathe some enthusiasm into the Biden campaign that makes it more than just a, a vehicle to, to get rid of Trump. You know, I think you know, Biden, there has been an enthusiasm gap. Uh, Democrats, many more focused not on the Biden candidacy, but just getting rid of Trump. I think Harris instills and will in, in the African-American community, certainly, and the Indian-American community, which can be important in, in some metropolitan areas in the country, places like Houston, Atlanta. I think that's going to instill some enthusiasm in the campaign that perhaps it was lacking. You referenced this earlier, her record as a prosecutor in California earlier in her career. How much of an issue do you think that will end up being with the the most liberal part of the Democratic base? I would guess probably some people are going to challenge her on that. I don't know where they're going to go. You know, some people might have a problem with that, would probably have a problem with just about anyone the Democrats would pick uh, of, of those candidates. Uh, I just don't know if, you know, those individuals, if, if someone's not going to vote for Harris Biden, a Democrat, I'm not sure what, what could convince them otherwise to do so. I mean, I think, I think it does make, it makes it a little trickier for the Republicans to, I mean, if you, if you compared the other candidates who were mentioned, for the most part, I think the president, President Trump, would have preferred anyone else but Kamala Harris. And if we could talk for a minute, it's interesting. I feel like throughout the Trump administration, there have been kind of constant rumors bubbling that he's going to drop Mike Pence from the ticket and go in a different direction. And I'm going back to, you know, two months after he won the election. Do you think it will continue to be Mike Pence as we head into the, the campaign? Or do you think there is a chance that they they try to pivot and give the and give their campaign some juice with a new vice presidential pick? That's a risky proposition. Uh, obviously, Pence has a lot of support among evangelicals. If you're looking at Labor Day and, and the Trump campaign is still running roughly 10 points behind and they decide to do it, I think it might uh, smack of desperation, uh, certainly high risk. And if you're someone like Nikki Haley, whose name has probably been floated uh, more than anyone's, is it something you would really want? Is it in your best interest to, to get on the Trump campaign at that point, the Trump bandwagon? You know, instead, you know, you, you, you have, as contrast in 2024, if you're Nikki Haley, you might see your prospects better running with an open seat in 24. I mean, I, I, I also think, you know, part of the attack that the Republicans are placing on Harris is that, well, she, she may not be the most qualified. She's, she's picked because, you know, Joe Biden indicated it had to be a woman, a woman of color. If you, if you take Mike Pence off the ticket and you place, uh, you know, I think and most likely the, the, the person he would turn to would be Nikki Haley, I think. That seems to play into the same logic that they're attacking 
Biden with in, in selecting Harris. So, so the idea is you're, you're going to put a woman on a ticket. Um, that seems to run counter to their, their own attack on, on, the t- on the Democratic ticket. I mean, I do think maybe maybe like a Christy Noem, who obviously the governor of South Dakota has become um, more high profiled. Now, so if someone like Christy Noem might, might it might be worth her worth a risk for her to run on the ticket. I don't I don't I don't necessarily see her as a strong candidate coming from South Dakota in the Republican. If there's an open primary race in 24, so someone like Christy Noem might be worth it for her. What would she bring to the t- ticket? Uh, obviously gender, but I don't know if someone like Christy Nome is going to jumpstart the Trump campaign either. So we are in the midst of a pandemic and we're going to be having a presidential election. So this is kind of uncharted territory. How do you expect these campaigns to play out? Is it going to be a social media campaigns for the most part? And that's where the points will be made there and on cable TV? Well, that's what's going to make it a little more difficult for the Trump campaign if they are still 10 points down roughly on Labor Day. I mean, we have the conventions beginning next week. They're not going to be traditional, but voters will be able to watch them. And, you know, more people are home now watching television. More people are home paying attention. They're not, not as many people go out vacationing. They're not overseas. They're not down at the beach as they usually might be this time of year. So people are paying attention. But I think the president has in, uh, indicated today his campaign that they're not going to be able to do any more rallies because they just can't they can't fill the seats. And so that's that's going to hurt his campaign. Obviously, that was that was a big part of his successful run in, in 16, the, the, the Trump campaign. That's going to hurt. A lot of this will come down. I mean, so so you don't have a lot of you know key events along the way, except for the debates, in particular, the first debate. If, if you still have a consistent lead for Biden and the first debate goes, you know, relatively well for Biden, at that point, I, you know, voters are pretty, pretty well cemented on this. Now, this isn't this politics. American politics isn't like 1988. This isn't, you know, Michael Dukakis up 16 points coming out of the Democratic Convention. Voters are the vote is much, much less elastic than it used to be. And you see this you see this in state polling. There, there aren't as many swing voters. There aren't as many people splitting their tickets as there were, as, as you saw 20 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. If 55% of the public definitely are, have, have indicated in polling that they're, rough, they're not going to vote for the president, that's gonna, it's going to be difficult for him to get that share back. You know, he, he, he also has the problem, I think, strategically in that there are no, I don't think, third or fourth party candidates as we had in 16, like Gary Johnson, and Jill Stein, siphoning off votes. So he didn't have to get as close to 50% as he's going to have to get this time. And that was actually my next question was the, the third party candidates, uh, not that they would be a factor to win, but you don't see them being a factor, even from a spoiler and siphoning up enough votes to, to swing things one way or another. I do not. I don't think, I don't, I can't imagine that more than 10% of the American public even knows who the, na- the name of the Libertarian Party candidate or the Green Party candidate. I mean, this, this election, usually when we have an incumbent, it is a referendum on the president. You know, the Trump campaign needs to, they need to turn it on Biden. And that's what's made it a difficult, he has been a difficult target for their campaign to attack. And as long as the campaign is focused, as long as there's a referendum on the president, 
unless something dramatically happens, I mean, look at his approval ratings. He, he's got a difficult chore ahead. You know, maybe maybe getting 48, maybe 47% of the vote. He, he can't get there with 45%. Of the vote. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.